welcome back to another episode of the Wide World of Wine. Today we're going to be talking about uh, another specimen, another two specimen of fortified wines. These are the older wine styles, generally speaking, of the fortified wine styles that are kind of, I wouldn't say out of popularity now, but have fallen from favor from, you know, as opposed to their previous um, established success, but still have quite a legacy and a mark that they've left on the world of wine. And uh, will continue to do so as they become more and more popular. A lot of these are becoming more more fashionable. You do see more people um, going to the store and looking for uh, Madeira and, and Sherry and Port and these sort of more fortified wines. But that's it's been a slow and upcoming process. But these are definitely ones to be on the lookout for as they they're probably honestly at the cheapest that they're going to be over the next. Uh, you know, 20 or 30 years or so here. So um, we're going to delve a little bit into sherry today, which is one of my favorite types of wine. It's it's from the Port of Jerez, which is a windy, often sandy place. The sun shines incredibly brightly year round. It is located in Spain um, and it is in the Andalusian region in the very far south. So the area goes without rain for considerable amounts of time, and experts uh, have identified nearly 300 days of perpetual sunlight. Uh, one probably would not see this area as a good fit for viticulture of any sort, but considering the higher tire temperatures and everything like that, you know, typically when we think of wine regions, we want, uh, you know, areas that are temperate in their uh, overall seasons and, and have that seasonality. Um, that's why grapes don't really grow well in Florida, where I live. Um, this region is home to one of the most recognizable styles of wine available. So wine has been made in the Port of Jerez since um, it was even referred to as the Port of Jerez. The Phoenicians are believed to have been the first to cultivate grapes there in this area. Sherry wine takes its name from the Anglicanization of the word, because again, this is a British port, Um, the Port of Gibraltar, essentially. Though uh, Sherez itself is believed to have come from its Arabic name, Sharish, which is thought to have been transported to Spain via the Moors in the 7th century. That's kind of where a lot of different, um, uh, the etymology is kind of skewed in that direction. Um, these hordes of bandits from the south occupied large swaths of Spain uh, and are thought to have introduced the process of distillation, uh, which was used to make perfumes and esters and things like that. One of the more prevalent storage-friendly and style-defining practices local to the regions. They've been making this style of wine for a very long time, even prior to British occupation. It was during the seemingly unfortunate occupation of the Moors that Sherry began to have distilled grape spirit added to stop fermentation and further highlight the wine's natural light flavors of almond, vanilla, and spices. Today, all sherry is fortified, but there are many different variations ranging in sweetness. Due to Islam's prejudice towards drinking, the uh, Caliph of Cordoba, occupying ruler of the Iberian Peninsula at the time, ordered that the vineyards of Andalusia be torn up to prevent debauchery. The people of Andalusia appealed to the caliph on behalf of their vines, extolling the virtues of their wonderful tasting grapes as raisins. So the caliph himself really was known to enjoy raisins, and um, the the vineyards were ultimately spared, uh, or large swaths of them were. Some were still torn up. Um, It was nearly 400 years before the caliphate would be deposed, and the harvest would once again fall into the hands of the Christians um, under the new ruler, Alfonso de Castille. Uh, the amount of wine and grapes produced in Andalusia would nearly quadruple at that time. 
So it was during this time that the trade and expeditions were quite popular, and uh, conquistadors, colonists, crusaders alike were apt to take transportable wines with them on their journeys, and the fortified wines uh, of the Port of Jerez were a natural choice considering the convenient production located, uh, you know, being on either sides of the Atlantic and on the Mediterranean side, again, in that Port of Gibraltar area. Um, this, coupled with the wines... Uh, permissible oxidation meant that these wines were meant to be sea bound. So the notable style uh, of this wine was transported on the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria when the ships left for the new world. So this was probably what was being carried the, because they left from the port of Ferez. It was the English who would eventually take um, total control of the seas through their military prowess and intelligent diplomatic relations. Um, as in the case of Bordeaux, the English, of course, had their favorite choices for wines for nearly every situation, and the trick seemed to be finding a storable, conveniently located, inexpensive wine from a region of high production suitable for cargo rations aboard Her Majesty's vessels. That was a very challenging task. It wasn't until the British takeover of the Port of Gibraltar that access between the Mediterranean and the Atlantic was solely in British custody, and conveniently located wines nearby were ripe for purchase from the British colonists. British soldiers tend to love their rationed creations and desire to enjoy them post-war. We see that with uh, we saw that in, with the, in the case of port, and we'll also see it in the case of Madeira as well, which is also a British um, export. Um, in this case of court, of course, for port um, and a hot preserved hot preserved. Um, India pale ales, that's why they're so hoppy, is because the hops help to preserve them. Um, Sherry is no exception. Sherry grabbed a large foothold over the English wine market from that point and was exported to England in vast quantities. And fraternal bodies, um, conferees and the like, were uh, used and organized to govern the production. And British entrepreneurs uh, swooped in excitedly to buy vineyards and their own production houses in the area, much very similar to port. Um, to this day, lining the sherry shelves, you will see very impressive bastions of English wine culture, notable in an array of bottles clad with names like Taylor, Hartley, and Gibson, Fairbanks, and so on. Sherry is made... Um, necessarily from the Palomino grape, which is a white grape. It displays characteristics of dry tea and white apricot, generally speaking, when it is, in, when it is made into a still wine. It is a neutral grape, uh, relatively speaking, which is great for fortified wines. It presents incredible opportunities for fortification and intricate and unexpected complexities associated in finish, the finished product. There are three types of Palomino. Palomino Fino is the most esteemed. The other two versions are um, Palomino Basto and Palomino de Jerez. All three are used in sherry wine, but the Fino version is the most well-planted and tends to represent the finest and most elegant of selections. It also has the lightest um, mouthfeel and is that's really important for a fortified wine where the alcohol can often add pounds uh, to the garish metaphorical weight when you're um, when you're actually traveling, uh, so it's quite a heavy. It can make things a, uh, significantly heavier, and also when you're drinking, um, you know, aboard a seabound vessel, best to have something refreshing and light. So Fino is one of the more commonly transported versions. Some sherry is made from a grape called Moscatel, which can act to add nuttiness, and some more sweet raisin-like complexities, yellow raisin, of course. Um, to the final sweet wine, but this is generally usable only in small quantities. It is also the least planted. 
The second most planted grape is actually bottled um, generally with very little uh, of an addition to Palomino Fino, and it is known as Pedro Ximenez. And this is the most esteemed version of sherry, Pedro Ximenez. You'll actually see it on the bottle. Pedro Ximenez is exclusively sweet and overripened, and it is allowed to overripen in the sun for weeks ahead of the season. Um, and and is, it has the most pronounced complexities possible. After fortification, the grape leaves loads of sugar in the final product. It's got this creamy, nutty character, and it is incredibly desirable when paired with desserts. So if you like a um, sautern, this is not similar in its characteristics. It has more of a fig, date, raisin flavor to it it's got a you know a nuttiness a um it the the fruit is a very dry um whereas you know sometimes you get more tree fruit apricot stuff like that from from sauterne but you know an aged sauterne can can compare fairly similarly uh in this case and um you know for some desserts it's far more desirable to have one of these uh pedro Ximenez wines with your dessert it's fantastic but it's extremely decadent Um, Jerez de la Frontera, that's called, uh, is what it's known as. It's, it's translates to sherry at the border. It's recognized as the first DO. It's demarcated origin in all of Spain. It's, uh, important because Spain has a long, rich history of wine culture. The DO today glides loosely around what is colloquially known as the sherry triangle. This Spoken region follows along the sand-stricken vineyards surrounding the towns of San Lucar de Barameda and El Puerto de Santa Maria. The area is, of course, a permanent desert, but is readily exposed to the eastbound winds of the Atlantic Ocean and adds a highly desirable seaward saltiness and saline to the wines made here. Uh, as well as there's some retention of acidity from the cooling maritime winds. Vines are trained high and often spread well distantly in their guillot amidst the sand in order to allow the breezes to blow out uh, between the canopies and prevent disease. Now, canopy management is important here, but the canopies are often notably allowed to grow a little bit more excessively to prevent sun damage because you get that 300 days of sunlight. It's not necessarily all sand beds around this area, as you would find in places like Michigan or um, in, in some areas around Monterey. Um, in fact, the insinuation of such can come off as quite derogatory. Now, most of the sherry vines find themselves predisposed to a few favorable soil types that are spread around the triangle. The most notable is Albariza, and it is the most common as well and the most suitable for the Palomino grape. It is quite a sandy soil, albeit a bit more moisture-retaining um, than it's often given credit for. This is a very light-colored uh, chalk white limestone, basically, with some clay. And the higher percentage of, percentages of clay are going to be more moisture-wicking. Um, in some corners of a given vineyard, it can be rather um, on the well-draining side. But regardless, the addition of the chalk makes this a very cooling soil, and the white chalk especially, um, which can really help the grapes on hot days. Arenas is another soil type that is quite common and useful for Palomino Fino as well. Tends to occupy some of the more distant plots closer to the sea. It is from a more yellowed, uh, higher concentration of sand, far less chalk. Um, you are going to see a more of a sandy um, 
a sandiness to this. Very little clay, generally speaking. Um, so these have to be, you know, these soils have to be, um, in order to be filled with with vines, you really want to look for something that's very, very breezy and um, where you're not going to risk uh, sunburn. Barros is the last soil type, and this is a rich brown fertile soil. It's found up on the plains surrounding primarily um, this Jimenez-based Dio of Montilla Morel. It's a rich in iron, deep brown soil. They have a slightly higher nitrogen content, which accounts for its fertility and um, far earlier ripening. So you can actually get a full ripeness out of Pedro Jimenez, partially due to these soils, and then they allow it to over-ripen. And um, it's picked very late in the game, even though it's it's ripens one of the first grapes to ripen. So um, there's very little chalk in Barros. It's only about 10% chalk. And the vast majority of the soil's composition is not sand, but clay. And that makes these soils much better at retaining water and cooling the vine. Sherry is often said to be one of the few wines that is actually made in the winery. It is... Um, decidedly based on the technique of its manufacturers um, and more favorable to winery conditions than vineyard conditions in general. This will be one of those rare wines where terroir isn't necessarily as important, though still spoken about. Um, It's partially because of the fortification of sherry and partially because the DO law requires the use of the Solera system. And the wines are labeled and sold based on the stylistic practice, not necessarily by vintage or terroir. The varietal is, uh, you know, common on the wine labels as well, which distinguishes this significantly from, um, you know, places like Burgundy where you, you would just see the town name. First, I'll tackle the Solera system. Um, this is the medieval process by which these wines have been traditionally made and accounts for a grandiose amount of wines. The, the final flavor and, and what, what ends up on the label and what ends up in the bottle. So the uh, Solera itself means on the ground, but it's the etymology. And the process begins with a three-rung string of barrels stacked on top of each other. Um, the latest vintage is aged on the top rung of barrels and begins to develop a protective layer of yeast known as floor, F-L-O-R. The floor adds creaminess to the wine and intense nuttiness the longer it remains in contact, and it still uh, allows the wines to remain vibrant and fresh, good for pairing with seafood. The lower sherry barrels are never topped off as to allow the wine to oxidize, purposeful oxidation. However, over time, these bottles will lose more and more wine due to the alcohol's evaporation and the wine's overall evaporation. It's called the angel's share. The um, more the wine is aged and is lost to this effect, the uh, more wine needs to be drained from the top barrels. So the top barrels continue to refill the bottom barrels, and the older the wine gets. Um, the blending of these vintages has the effect of adding youthful zest to some of the older wines while still allowing the aging to uh, show the full force of tertiary characteristics. The top rung of barrels is continuously replenished with the latest vintage so that the lower barrels are continuously refilled with new wine. Thus, sherry is never labeled with a vintage and... Um, most Oloroso bottles will be an average of four years old 
at the least. And Oloroso, we'll get to that in a minute, but that is a type of sherry. The alcohol fortification for the wines aged on top, um, the top rung of the barrels, must render 15.5% to retain its floor. The floor also allows for minor oxidation of the wine, but it protects it against total oxidation. That neutral grape spirit is continuously added as well uh, as the wine does continue to age. Wines blended uh, for Fino and Manzanilla style wines will be allowed to develop the floor. These wines, the Fino and Manzanilla, are incredibly satiating and um, tend to be the, the most youthful tasting. Manzanilla itself is a type of Fino, and it's actually made very similarly, but it comes specifically from an area within the Sherry Triangle known as Sanlúcar de Barrameda. The specific area is close to the sea and offers more maritime breezes and uh, additional currents with an aura of salinity. Manzanilla itself means chamomile. Um, some often notice a more hearty herbaceousness and floral character uh, that can be caused by strains of yeast found on these specific vines in this area. Manzanilla will sometimes undergo extended aging periods longer than the prescribed three years for sherry, resulting in more oxidation. Uh, this extended aging wines, they're called Manzanilla Paseda, and they show some more funkiness and nutmeg-like characters. So if you like a funky cheese... Um, character in wine, kind of like Jura, um, this would be more, you'd be more adept to having this type of wine. By contrast, um, general Fino wines from the surrounding counties undergo extended aging processes and oxidation. Um, the ones that do are referred to as amontillado. These are arguably the most prized dry wines available because they still retain their lightness, but they make great food-friendly complements for lighter dishes, yet seemingly are a blast of almond hazelnut-like complexity that is so enjoyable. These wines are somewhat darker in color and reflecting more of an amber hue. Oloroso is the next type. That is a scented wine. That's what Oloroso means, basically scented. Um, these wines uh, have been aged three or four years and generally linger around the 20% alcohol by volume, which is enough to kill any floor. So at these at this point, uh, the, the amount of alcohol that's been added, you're not going to get that floor on this type of sherry. So that means um, you're not going to have that same level of protection against oxidation. Uh, Oloroso wines are made from um, from the very start to be Oloroso, whereas Amontillado wines just sort of end up being Amontillado. They retain a salinic freshness but are far heavier in weight and body, and they pair well with heavier foods and make great standalone glasses or excellent additions to a charcuterie board. They are darker in color and richer than Amontillado, but besides Pedro Jimenez, these are often referred to as uh, flagship bottles for a manufacturer. Um, that's the, basically a dry flagship. Um, when juxtaposed next to Pedro Jimenez, which is obviously the, the flagship or forbearing flagship of almost every major winery in the port of Jerez. Pela Cortado is the um, next style that we'll talk about. It is a continuation of the Amontillado aging process. So you got the uh, Fino, becomes Amontillado, becomes Pela Cortado. It's a 
continuation. So it presents fuller, darker, and richer flavors. Uh, roasted pistachios, stout cream, espresso. These are richer wines often made to um, to an excess of, uh, of a vintage destined to be a monolato, but they end up caught in the Solera system for even longer. So the producer may, um, you know, choose to you know, continue the aging process of an amontillado and decide or, or taste it and decide that it, it would do with more aging or could do better. A lot of this is sort of off the cuff um, on a year by year basis. Uh, barrels are tested and the producers may decide like, oh, this would be a better wine to feature as an amontillado or this would be, a you know, a better just throughout the Solera system. There's constant um, checking and and uh, proffering of the aging system and, and sometimes those wines will be removed and um pale cortado is just the next step in that continuation now the last one is uh pedro chimenez which is also referred to as dolce um these are sweet wines uh the reason that they're sweet is because they have 212 grams of residual sugar per bottle and in most cases are actually meant to be enjoyed on their own they are nearly entirely of the pedro chimenez grape and in addition there is some sparse Moscatel sometimes added for weight. Pedro Ximenez is the king of grapes in the, in the Jerez and is very widely celebrated. And for this reason, these delightful sweet wines tend to be uh, the most cost burdensome. So a more po- the uh, I, I guess the more poetic among us write uh, espresso bean, orange peel, caramel, toasted almond, indulgences of black licorice, and earthy cheese. Um, I'm a pretty poetic person, so I think I wrote that. Um, whatever the case, these wines uh, are sometimes seen as the finest, um, or it, and at one point were seen as the finest in the world. Pedro Ximenez wines are aged for distinctively longer than some other types. The high acidity allows for residual sugar and can be a blessing, as in the case of Sauternes, uh, because it uh, is sometimes possible to keep these wines for a very, very long time without risk of spoilage. The wines labeled Venom Optum Signatum, VOS, are aged 20 years. So that Solera system has happened at least um, for 20 years. So, you know, this isn't a vintage marker, but this is a, you know, basically stating the newest vintage that would be in this barrel would be 20 years old. So, you know, you could have something that's up to 60 years old or 70 years old. Uh, and then you have the same thing, uh, Venom Optimum Raret Signatum, V-O-R-S. Um, those have been aged for 30 years. Cream Sherry is a blend of various aged sweet sherries from around the Sherry Triangle and often represents blends featuring higher proportions of Palomino Fino and Moscatel than Pedro Ximenez. Cream Sherry is kind of a misnomer because there is actually no cream involved. Um, these tend to be more affordable wines that do show hints of creamy texture by some of the finer producers. They are most commonly actually used for cooking today. And it actually, unfortunately, may be what you know of sherry because they are honestly the most common. It's kind of the blue nun of sherry. So if this is your experience with sherry, I would encourage you to go out and get um, Palo Cortado or a Montelado, and just give one of those a try. There's many different brands. Those are usually a safe bet. And like I said, this is the, this is for these fortified wines that have fallen out of style, this will be the cheapest that they are. 
um, right now. So it is a great time to to be able to try something that's, you know, five, six years old aged wine that took a lot of labor. And, um, you know, this is probably the best the best time to try that. That just pairs so well with food, too. It's just such a shame that we we really think of the cream sherry when we when we or cooking wine. Ugh. Um, because all of the various styles of sherry uh, produced under one roof at any given time, uh, crafty sherry makers have invented numerology that can be imprinted on a barrel to give clarity. So this is the no. Um, this is going to be more of a visual thing, and it'll be in the show notes. Um, you can see on the barrels if you walk through a the manufacturing facility of sherry. Um, or one of the major houses, rather, uh, they have the barrels will have these distinct markings on them that are burned in or written on with chalk, and um, that is done by the cellar master, known as the capitaz. These symbols are pretty vague, um, so the wines uh, are notated based on their aging progression, and they can be modified at any time by the cellar master to reflect their current status. And um, today you will find sometimes an homage of these symbols on the bottles themselves. So that that will help sort of um, cement those symbols in for you. And, and it sh- it's a kind of a crafty way of showing some of the heritage of Sherry. Of sherry. Um, the symbols themselves are known as rayas, and they are stick-like indicators of quality in the early stages of development. So you've got one stick... Um, that's a Fino Amontillado, not to exceed 15.5% alcohol. Uh, one stick with a period, that's Oloroso at 17.5% alcohol. Uh, two sticks means it needs to develop further before being used, aged to 15% alcohol. And three sticks means development stayed, uh, development issues to be distilled into grape spirit, and then the process restarts all over again. The latter stages of development will see additions such as these to indicate the bottling of the wine itself. So there are demarcated symbols as well, and those will also be in the show notes, and you can take a look at them. Um, Palo Cortado, uh, Pedro Ximenez, Dolce, Oloroso, Amontillado, Palo Cortado, they all um, markings or indicators that are done on the outside of the barrel, and then sometimes you'll see those transfer themselves over to the finished bottles themselves so that you as a consumer can see some of that that heritage so we have come to the end of this episode unfortunately um join me again in the next two weeks where we're going to be talking about the other fortified wine style um i guess of the iberian peninsula kingdoms it's sort of outside the iberian peninsula but that is madeira another easily transportable fortified wine with a ton of history uh thank you so much for listening and have an awesome rest of your week 